Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight we have the honor of having Mrs. Kathleen Rain, the light of Rumi, among us. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to offer you fresh salutations from Rumi. Actually, all Rumi's works, whether lyrics or Masnavi or couplets or his prose discourses, are salutations to mankind. A salutation which comes from the realm of love and brings joy. If we try to simplify all the ideas, the teachings, and the wisdom of Rumi in one word, round which all his philosophy and mystical teaching revolves, is joy and happiness. And his poetry is a good example of what Shelley, I think, I'm not sure, Shelley said that it's the happiest moment of the happiest minds. Poetry is the happiest moments of the happiest people. So Rumi is one of those happiest people who in his happiest hours, happiest times, has offered you salutations in the form of poetry. So I wish to start by a sonnet by Rumi, which is a dialogue between him and sorrow. Ey qam agar mushavi pish manat yar nist, pish manat bar nist. Dar shikarine yaqin serke enkar nist. O sorrow, if thou art if thou turn thyself into a hair as thin as, as a hair then I have no room for you not a single little bit of room for sorrow because in the sweets of certainty they don't mix it with this sour vinegar of denial and infidelity. You see, for Rumi, denial and infidelity is to be sour, to be grieving, to be sorrow, sorrowful. So he says that we are in the realm of certainty. So in the realm of certainty, there is no sour thing, because certainty is all sugar, it's all sweetness. So there is no place for sour vinegar for in, in certainty. قصه در آن دل رود که از حوث او توهیست Sorrow goes only to the heart that is void, that's empty of the desire to find him. The one who is in pursuit of him is never sorrowful. So sorrow goes to the hearts who do not desire him, who do not yearn, have no yearning for him. قصه در آن دل رود که از حوث او توهیست غم همه آنجا شود کان بتعیار نیست and grief goes only to those places where that idol that infatuating idol is not present That outlaw, I don't know. But ayar. But ayar, yes. Outlaw also is ayar, but uh, it also means uh, infatuating because but ayar, 
because uh, it infatuates you in such a way as you don't understand. Mm-hmm. Ayyar does his work in a hidden way. Am- yes, ambushes you. <laughs> right. Then, Halqi Qayn Tutan. You see, he is calling to Qan, which is written like this. You see, this is Qayn. This is almost like a circle, which is tight. And again, me, it is two letters only. Qan, sorrow, is two letters. One letter is me, me, which is so tight. A very tight ring and gam also. He says, to tang So there is not no customer uh, in the realm of heart for thee. So go away. Oh sorrow, go away from this place, from our presence. Otherwise we will cut off your head. You will be decapitated. Because thou art like a night, and when the light comes, the night goes away. So, for Rumi, everything has some relationship with happiness and joy. First of all, God is sheer happiness. As Avicenna also mentions in his Esharat, that God is the most happy being. And all happiness comes from him. A religion is happiness. A person who is not happy is not a religious person. The, the sure sign of being a religious man is to be happy and to, with open face, and shining, radiant face. <coughs> Hope is happiness. Whatever is good has something to do with happiness. Beauty, which is the creator of happiness also, beauty is happiness, as well as truth. Truth is happiness. Philosophy and knowledge. Rumi says if if you are not happy, you don't know anything. Leave away your knowledge then. If you are not happy, so what is the use of being knowledgeable if you are not happy? If it has not relieved you from sorrow. So, everything is related to happiness, which is God in the final analysis. And uh, you can also say life is happiness. You can say our essence, our our soul is actually happiness. Rumi says, when I am not happy, I am not myself. Because I am nothing but happiness. Man ariyatam daran chikhushnis. Whatever is no pleasant, is not good, it is just uh, borrowed. It is not essential in me. Whatever in which I'm happy, that is what I am really. That is my real essence. So our life, life is happiness. 
and our soul, which means in Arabic we say ruh, ruh, which means Atman in uh, in Indian philosophy, Hindu philosophy. Atman also means happiness, mm. etymologically. Mm. And ruh and ra, ra means wine, mm. intoxicating liquor, ra. Mm. And al-arwah also mm-hmm. means spirits. Yeah. You know, spirits has something to do with uh, with uh, happiness. And ruh and ra and rahat and pleasing all have the same root in, in Arabic. So our real essence is intoxication, is rapture, is joy. If we are not in those states of mind, so we are not ourselves. Something has captured us. We are obsessed, obsessed by a genie or something like that. And poetry is to create happiness. Poetry comes from the world of happiness. If it doesn't make you happy, so it's no poetry. And that is why the other day, last week, we discussed a little bit about the seemingly uh, disharmony and inconsistency in the ideas of Rumi. And I explained that in each case he is right. And this inconsistency is actually his virtue, that he can see both sides of the coin. And one of them is poetry, for example. He often, you see Rumi in his own poetry that he is criticizing poetry in, in verse. And he says, what is this poetry? It is nothing but uh, uh, idle talk. These, these poets, these idle poets, they have only the cross, they don't have the core. You see? So, but again, you see him praising good poetry, and he has often praised himself for his poetry. Uh, a little bit different from the praise that Hafiz and Sadi have given of their poetry. Because it is a custom, it is customary among Iranian poets. And I think that in English poetry also it is common that uh, often poets praise their poetry. Shakespeare has done many times in his sonnets. So Hafez, for example, says that my poetry was decorated, was uh, uh, decorating uh, uh, the paradise, the, the flowers of paradise, was the ornament. My poetry was the ornament. When Adam was in, in paradise, my poetry was the ornament of the garden, garden of paradise. And Sadi also praises his eloquence and his good poetry. But Rumi says more than that. He says, this poetry one day will come, that this poetry will call you to judgment, will take you to the judge, to the divine judge, and say, well, this person has heard my poetry and he has paid no attention. It was elixir of life. I offered him the elixir of life and then he paid no attention. They will come when this, these poems will, uh, will litigate against you, you could say. You make thyself deaf to my call while I was offering you the elixir of life. So, 
You see him praising his poetry and call it uh, ocean of honey and nectar, which means again happiness. And ocean is, he says, it is not lyric, it is not ghazal, it is not sonnet, it is asal, which means honey, it is not ghazal. So, you see, everything is related to this happiness. So that is the key word in all Masnavi and the lyrics of Rumi and his judgment about anything. When he is evaluating things, evaluating your knowledge, evaluating your religion, evaluating your manners, whether a tradition is good or bad, does it create happiness or not? Whether uh, a religion is good or bad, you should ask whether it creates happiness or not. How much happiness it creates? If it makes you sorrowful and sad, then it is no good. So, actually there is a verse in the Quran that the lovers of God are never sorrowful. Uh, they have no fear, they have no sorrows. They are lovers of God and friends of God. So what... We have to differentiate between two kinds of happiness. Uh, the happiness which is your, oh, all right, which is uh, Johari and Arazi. We say Johar, which means substance, and Johari means substantial. We have or essential. Yes. Substantial and accidental. We have Aras. You know, in Aristotle's philosophy, all quiddities are divided into two. They are either substance or either Aras or Johar or accident. Either essential in a thing or not essential. For example, the state of being warm and boiling is, is not essential for water. Water can be boiling or it cannot be boiling. It may not be boiling, but uh, it is. It has always dimensions. Water dimension and being uh, wet is an essential part of being water, right? So Rumi says that uh, we have Johar and we have Araz, and everything besides. Uh, I mean, all categories, all categories which are nine categories we have here and five substance. The five substances, the nine categories, you know, they are place and time and position and relation. They are all categories. Uh, uh, quality, quantity, they are categories. Uh, and the substances are also five. One is uh, matter. The other is form, which they both together create bodies, solid bodies, corporeal bodies, and then we have uh, the spirit, the soul, sorry, the soul, and we have the reason, the intellect. These are the five essences, uh, the five substances, which they, they call it five johar, or gohar, which also means jewels. 
So Rumi says that, uh, according to Aristotle, matter is a substance, and form is also a substance. But the quality and quantity of the form, the color, the state of being bigger and smaller, they are, or being in motion, or speeding, or slow, this is uh, aras, and this is uh, not essential in a thing. But Rumi mm, generalizes the idea of being essential and not being essential, and goes far beyond what Aristotle had uh, proposed at first. So he says that, okay, this body is a substance for quantity, but again, body, when compared to the soul, it is just accident. Mm. It is a shadow. You see? He says that certain substances, in comparison to other substances, they are shadows, they are accidents, they are not essential, they are not real things. They, are just, they just come and go. So he says that, uh, uh, of course, uh, for if uh, a rose, for example, is the matter, is the body, or is the substance, so the color is, in respect to the rose, the color is accident. But when you compare body to the soul, body is just an accident of the soul. And he solves the problem of duality of soul and body. He says there are not two things. One of them is the real thing, the other one is just an accident. Just as rose, rose, what is a rose? Rose is not two things. Mm. The color is a part of the rose. So the accident and the substance are not two things. The accident is one of the manifestations, uh, one of the qualities, uh, characteristics of the rose. Mm-hmm. which is yellow, which is, uh, has fragrance. Mm-hmm. So it is a part of the substance. Mm-hmm. So the body also is compared to the soul. Although it is a substance, the body itself is a substance that has and has so many accidents mm-hmm. on it. But compared to the soul, it is just a shadow of the soul. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there is only one thing, and that's soul. And the body is the shadow of the soul. And also, the intellect is also a part of the soul. So, soul, which is in in the middle, soul is the main essential thing which can comprehend, which can understand, which is conscious of itself. And everything else in respect to the soul, is but a shadow. So, he says that he comes to the motion. You know, this word motion is... uh, Motion is an accident, according to Aristotle. Mm -hmm. And he says that motion can happen only in the nine categories, in quantity, in quality, never in the essences. Mm -hmm. And uh, the substance cannot be this object of motion, sorry, the subject of motion. Because if uh, motion comes to substance, the substance is completely changed. While in motion you have to keep something as constant and then to change something. 
when, when you go from this side of the room to the other side, you are yourself. But uh, your place is changed. So only the aras, the accident can change. The essence, the essential and the substantial cannot change. So change only comes, or and motion comes only to, uh, to, the, to the accidents, not to the substance. But Rumi says it is not like that. But the substance, it is the substance that uh, has motion. And uh, the motion you see in the, in the accidents, it's because there is a motion hidden in the substance. Jangi birun has as jangi darun. If you see that it is hot, it doesn't mean that uh, this is just water and uh, only something has happened on it and this is an accident. It is a part. It's a part of the real thing, uh, of the substance. When you are happy, for example, there are two sorts of happiness. We are coming back to happiness. Accidental and, and substantial. Most of the happiness people are searching for, are in pursuit of, is accidental happiness. It comes and goes. One moment it is with you, the other moment is not with you. And Rumi says it's no happiness. What, is, what sort of happiness is it? That it is today you are happy, tomorrow you are not happy. So it is not substantial, it's not a part of you. You have to get that substantial happiness which never leaves you. Anything which is happy should make you happier a little bit more than before. Any uh, real happy accident is the accident which makes you happier a little bit ever after. And it never leaves you. A thing of beauty is a joy forever. See, if it is real beauty, it doesn't change its... Uh, it doesn't change its uh, quality, which is happiness. So, Rumi is calling people, that is one of the most important words of Rumi. Bar aras naboyat mandan. Bar aras naboyat mandan. You should not abide by or stop by the accident. Go to the substance. Go to the real substance. Because the substance will not leave you. The accident would betray you after a time. And then he says that this uh, essential or substantial development of the soul, the soul is a, a very small point first. The substance. It becomes bigger and bigger and bigger, not because certain accidents come on it, but because it essentially moves, it substantially has a substantial motion. Harikate Johari, as later Mullah Sadra, the great philosopher of the recent times, has proposed that uh, there is Harikate Johari. But Rumi before him says, To safar kardi You made a journey from embryo to intellect. So it is you. It is you as a constant element, as a constant factor. You are making the journey through the world and you are becoming bigger and bigger essentially. Not something is added to you, but you develop, you, you grow. You grow through your experiences. So, 
the touchstone of uh, Rumi is that whether it is essential or accidental in happiness, in religion, even in virtue. If you do the, the good deed, Rumi says it's no good. If you just do the good deed, it is an accident. But the good deed should come into your heart. It should be a part of your essence so that it would be essential good, essential virtue. You are virtuous. Not only you are doing some virtuous act. Anybody may do some virtuous act. Yeah. But maybe they are not virtuous. Virtue should be essentially a part of you. And it is substantial virtue in contrast with accidental virtue. Mm -hmm. So everything for Rumi has uh, the two sides of accidental and substantial. For example, air, knowledge. You have some accidental knowledge. Some people just acquire some knowledge and they, they think that they are knowledgeable, but they know nothing. Mm -hmm. When you put the touchstone, well, they show that they know nothing. Uh, and uh, actually Rumi has given many stories to show that uh, you should pay attention to the signs rather than to the saints. Uh, there is one story that a person, I think it's here, they can read it. Oh no, I can just, uh, this one I will tell you and then we will start reading. Okay. Uh, uh, a poet had returned from Iraq and pretending that he had been accepted, uh, he had been uh, given uh, audience, say, given audience yes. by, the, by the caliph, by the king, yes. and uh, he said that, well, I composed such and such ode and he gave me ten uh, golden garments and things like that. But he was dressed in rag. They said, well, how is it that you are dressed in rag and you are claiming that the king gave you such and such? You are barefooted uh, and uh, you don't look like that. He said, well, yes. Uh, he gave me, and but I, I gave them away for the sake of God to other people, to poor people. And then they said, well, okay, if you accept that, where is the sign the sign of doing such a good work in your face. Yeah. See? So, whatever you do leaves your sign in your being, in your face. So, everything has its own signs. When you say, I'm happy, and you are not generous, you are lying. When you say, I'm happy, and you are avaricious, you are lying. Because avarice, avarice is a sign of uh, being poor. And happiness is being wealthy. So, as as Qiranim Marduzan Zayat Bashar, this is from Masnavi. When a woman and a man get together, then a baby is born, right? So, from uh, as, uh, from joining of every two things, a third thing is born. As Qiranim Marduzan Zayat Bashar, as Qiranim. The stone and iron, you put them together and then there is a light. And then uh, the rain comes to the soil, to the earth, and then uh, 
beautiful flowers and green grass and meadows come up. And then you go to the countryside and you enjoy it. So that, uh, again, something else is born. You become happy. So when happiness comes to you, what, would, uh, should, is, what is the baby which is born out of it? Rumi says it is generosity. Oh. So, um, and we should always go to the science, to the real science, and uh, should not believe in uh, the claims and braggings of people. Another thing we would like to discuss today is the question of illat and ma'lul. Illat and ma'lul, which means the cause and effect. Cause and effect. Again, there is no duality between cause and effect for Rumi. Uh, actually, effect is the manifestation of cause. There is only cause which exists. So that uh, question of going ad infinity is not for Rumi. That, uh, well, everything has a cause, and then it must have a cause, it must have a cause, and then it goes to infinity. Mm -hmm. And uh, the philosophers have become perplexed by the idea what to do. Mm -hmm. That uh, the first cause, whether we can have the first cause or not, if the first cause has no cause, then why should we say, we, we could say from the very first that this thing doesn't have a, have a cause. Mm -hmm. How could you say that there is one cause which has no cause behind it. Uh, and uh, the idea of the first cause is rejected by many philosophers just because they say that when you, your, the first effect, you say this needs a cause. So if it is, uh, if this one also needs a cause and again and again, it can't go ad infinitum. So it must come to a cause which has no cause behind it. So this cause, which is regarded to be final, if it doesn't need a cause, so you could start it from the very first. Right. And doesn't need to um, prove the first cause. You could say that nothing needs a cause in this world. No effect needs a cause. Things just happen and pass by. Uh, so we can start uh, reading a part uh, here. Mm. Oh, and let me just uh, explain that uh, so we said that people are in pursuit of happiness but since uh, they are not uh, they do not have this necessary light the necessary knowledge of what real happiness is they are misguided and they are deceived and then they go after false and futile happiness. And then they are disappointed. So he is giving now here a parable about this. This one here. Uh, yeah, explaining, yes. Explaining that everyone knows the mercy of God and everyone knows the wrath of God. And all are fleeing from the wrath of God and clinging to the mercy of God. But the Most High God has concealed wraths in mercy and mercies in wrath. This is God's mystification and disguise and contrivance to the end that the discerning who see by the light of God 
may be separated from those who see only the present and the visible. For he created death and life that he might try you. Which of you is most righteous in his works? Yes. This last line is a, a verse from the Quran. And now, هو الذي خلق الموت والحياة ليبلوكم أيكم أحسن عملا. Yes. One dervish said to another, "Tell me, what was thy vision of the presence of God?" He replied, "My vision was ineffable." But for the sake of argument, I will briefly declare a parable thereof. I beheld him, God, with a fire on his left and on the right a stream like Kothar. On his Kothar left, is uh, um, traditionally a spring, a fountain in paradise with pure, life-giving water, Kothar. But actually it means, uh, yes, actually it means uh, uh, plenty mm. and much. That's right. Yes. Kathara. Yes. Bounty. Yeah. Yes, bounty. On his left, an exceedingly world-consuming fire. On his right hand, a sweet river. One party put forth their hands towards the fire, while another party were rejoicing and intoxicated with desire for that kothar. Which was a very topsy-turvy, mystifying game in the path of everyone doomed to perdition or blessed with salvation. Whoever went into the fire and sparks was emerging from the midst of the water. Whoever went from the middle towards the water he was at once found to be in the fire. Yes. You see, this idea is actually given by the giant ease in the story of Pilgrim's Progress. Because people tend to choose the easier one. And they are constantly after, I mean, they are in pursuit of the easier and the more pleasing. While if they go after the more difficult, for example, in, in, in the case of art, Many artists see the world, it is so difficult to, to be uh, so pedantic about art and to be so fussy about everything. Let's just do it in a very easy way. So they lose all art because they go after uh, ease. So Rumi and Hafez and all Iranian poets, I mean mystic poets, they emphasize that if you want to laugh, Laughter does not comes a real laughter, substantial, which is your laughter, the laughter which belongs to you, comes only after weeping. And weeping doesn't mean actual weeping and shedding tears, but it means you are yearning and desiring deeply and earnestly and ardently when you are like a child which is weeping uh, for milk for her mother, for his mother. So, laughter comes after weeping. Nizami says, It is impossible, since it is impossible to get, to get to this laughter without weeping, now I am going to give you a word of wisdom, how you can get to this laughter. And then Hafez says, Aish means joy and laughter again. 
You can never get to it without pain. So true happiness comes through pain, through suffering, but not uh, suffering is no virtue, as some Christians, monks, have tried to make out of it, to make suffering in itself a virtue. Suffering is no good. But when you suffer to get a higher happiness, mm. then it is worthwhile. So it is no suffering, you get it with pleasure again. Even, even that suffering would turn into pleasure. Yeah. Uh, right? Whoever went towards the right hand and the limpid water would put forth his head from the fire on the left. And he who went towards the fiery left would emerge on the right. Few were they who hit upon the mystery of this occult matter. Consequently, seldom would anyone go into the fire. None would go except him upon whom felicity was shed, so that he abandoned the water and took refuge in the fire. Yes. There is another tradition by Muhammad that all around hell there are flowers. There are very beautiful flowers planted all around hell. And all around heaven and in paradise there are thorns. See, there are thorns all around but inside is the flower. But here inside is the hell and fire, but all around are flowers. This is the same metaphor. The people made the pleasure that was actually present their object of worship. Consequently, the people were swindled by this game. Troop by troop and rank by rank, they were on their guard against the fire and fleeing greedily and in haste towards the water. Of necessity, they lifted up their heads from amidst the fire. Take warning, take warning, O heedless man. The fire was crying, Oh, crazy fools, I am not fire. I am a delectable fountain. Yes. Bang mizad atash, gul. I'm not fire. I'm just water, I'm life-giving water. Come to me. But people did not, did not hear the, the call of fire. And then they went to the water. And they came out of the fire. A spell has been cast on thine eyes, O sightless one. Come into me and never flee from the sparks. O thou who art as Khalil, Abraham. Here are no sparks and smoke. Is not but the sorcery and deceit of Nimrod. Yes. Ey Khalil inja sharar o dud nist, just ke sehr o khed khod ey nomrud nist. You know, Khalil means a friend, a real friend, and this is the title of Abraham in the Quran. And uh, you know, according to traditions, he was thrown by Nimrod into the fire, and God said that fire should be peaceful with him. And it was turned into uh, flowers and a, and a garden. For and Rumi says everybody, it is the same story, happens every day, that if you are a friend of God, all fires would turn into uh, paradise for you. Mm. 
Go on. Yes. Explaining that the earthen body of man, like iron of fine substance, is capable of becoming a mirror, so that therein, even in this world, paradise and hell and the resurrection, etc., are shown by immediate vision, not in the mode of fantasy. Then, though thou art dark-bodied like iron, make a practice of polishing, polishing, polishing. Yes, seigalikun, seigalikun, seigali means polishing, polishing, polishing. See, your heart uh, is like iron. You know, in the past they made mirrors out of iron. So, uh, you have to just gloss in it to polish it mm -hmm. again and again. And this means mortification. You make it uh, the more uh, polished and shiny so that the pictures of the fair maids, celestial fair, fair maid, would be reflected in it. Mm. Actually, uh, coming to the subject of uh, mirror, let me tell you something about mm, the relation between Shams and Rumi. You see, we spoke a little bit about Shams and Rumi. What happened when Shams came to Rumi? I told you that there are hundreds of uh, metaphors and pictures uh, drawn by Rumi to explain the situation. But uh, one of them which is most true and given by Rumi himself is that uh, Shams was just a mirror before Rumi and Rumi was just a mirror, a polished mirror before Shams. So when Shams came to Rumi, Rumi saw himself and came to know himself. And Rumi says, I asked myself, what is this mirror for? Of course, this mirror is just to see that everyone would see his shape and uh, his face, the shape of his face. So, this mirror of iron is for the colors for the forms. Where is, where is the mirror in which you can see yourself? The soul. Where, what is the mirror of the soul? Mm. The mirror of the soul is a friend. The mirror of the soul is a friend, but a friend coming from the realm of God, mm. from the realm of love. So there, there were two mirrors in front of each other. Rumi showed Shams what Shams was. And Shams showed Rumi what Rumi was. And Rumi actually in Masnavi says that when I was young, I dreamed that the sun saluted me and paid obeisance to me. And I was wondering what that means. I thought that it is just an idle dream. How could sun... And not this sun, of course, the this, this sun of the eternal sun. Sure. How could it come and uh, salute me? Uh, and then I, I thought it was impossible. But when I saw you, he is calling to Shams. But when I saw you, when I saw thee, then I saw myself. And that impossible became possible. Not only possible, but became cash in my hand. And you showed me the jewels and the treasury hidden in me. You brought it out. 
So Rumi, again and again in Masnavi, uh, recommends uh, that people should polish their hearts, and that that is all they need. Knowledge comes out of that polishment. Happiness comes out of that polishment. Religion is really that polishment. Virtue, everything is in that polishment. So when you are polished, then your heart is the mirror before God, and God is all. That thy heart may become a mirror full of images, with a lovely silver-breasted form reflected therein on every side. Although the iron was dark and devoid of light, polishing cleared away the darkness from it. The iron saw, suffered the polishing, and made its face fair, so that images could be seen therein. If the earthen body is gross and dark, polish it, for it is receptive to the polishing instrument, in order that the forms of the unseen may appear in it, and that the reflection of Huri, an angel, may dart into it. Huri means dark-eyed fair maids. From paradise. Uh, from paradise, yes. God hath given thee the, by the polishing instrument, reason, to the end that thereby the, the surface of the heart may be made resplendent. Thou, O prayerless man, hast put the polisher, reason, in bonds, and hast loosed the two hands of sensuality. You see here, reason is praised by Rumi. I told you that in certain cases, Rumi blames reason and uh, criticizes reason and says, what is this reason? It is of no use. <laughs> but sometimes he is praising, like here, that you should leave sensuality and go to reason. So he is uh, actually using the word in different senses. Yeah. Uh, sometimes he means universal reason, universal intellect or reason, and not partial reason. He says that partial reason is weak. It is just like a lightning. For one moment, uh, it uh, gives light and then it, dis it disappears. Yeah. So if you are going to hunt you cannot do it in the light of this reason, to hunt that gazelle, that, uh, that beloved. If you want to hunt, it must be in the daylight. You see everything. But what is this uh, lightening of reason for then? In reason and in others is depreciating. If bonds be put on sensuality, the hand of the polisher reason will be untied. A piece of iron that became a mirror of the unseen all the forms of the unseen would be shot into it. But thou madest thy heart dark and didst let the rust into thy nature. This is the inner meaning of they work evil on the earth. This is a verse from the Quran that uh, he says uh, there are people who um, make evil in the world. And Rumi says it is those people who make the water muddy and who let rust comes upon their heart. These are the true people who make evil in the world, mm -hmm. not those who do those crimes. Because Rumi simplifies the whole world. Wherever he goes, he tries to get you relieved from intricacies and complicacies uh, and from multitude, to relieve you from multitude. He says there is only one cure 
There are not so many diseases. There are not thousands and thousands of abnormal uh, psychology. You find them a, a dictionary of abnormal psychology. They are the name of so many diseases. He says there is only one thing, and that is your nafs, yourself, your selfish desires. So that is, uh, in other metaphors, of course, uh, that is your heart is rusty and doesn't show the face of the fair maid. And that's why you are doing ugly things. Mm -hmm. If you see beauty, how can you do those ugly things? So there is only one cure for Rumi, and there is only one disease. And he is uh, expressing it in a variety of metaphors. So, hast thou done till now? Now do it not. Thou hast made the water turbid. Do not make it more so. Do not stir it up and befoul it. Let this water become clear, and then behold the moon and stars circling therein. Yes. For man is like the water of the river. When it becomes turbid, thou canst not see its bottom. The bottom of the river is full of jewels and full of pearls. Take heed, do not make the water turbid, for it is originally pure and free from pollution. Yes. And that's why people cannot come to know each other, because the water is turbid, and no one can see deep into the heart of other people. So people just uh, uh, get acquainted with the surface of the water, and they never go deep into each other's heart. Story of the sons? Yes. Of Ozeir. On whom be peace, who were making inquiries about their father from one who really was their father. Yes, he replied, I have seen him, he is coming. Some of them recognized him and became unconscious, while others did not recognize him and said, he has only announced our father's coming. What is this unconsciousness? You see, here Rumi wants to say that uh, don't wait for paradise to come to make you happy. Be happy just now and start being in paradise just right, just now. And take the cash and leave the credit. <laughs> just as Omar Khayyam says. And in this story, he divides people into two groups. Those people who deny totally the hidden world and they never get happy. Those who get the news and think that it is a promise, they get the promise and then they become a little bit happy mm. that, well, one day will come when we would be happy. And then there are those who take the cash. Mm. And he says that, uh, for example, when Muhammad came, a prophet, any prophet, a prophet is, is a resurrection. And he says that they have asked Muhammad, when is this resurrection, you say? They didn't know that the resurrection was Muhammad himself. The resurrection is Jesus himself. Mm. His, his very coming is the resurrection. Yeah. Actually, Rumi calls Shams a resurrection. Yeah. Thou art the resurrection, a sudden resurrection, boundless bounty. So, uh, there are people who say that uh, it is not a promise, it is the thing itself. It is not the promise of paradise, it is the paradise itself, which is given to you just now. Now he gives the story of Uzair, who is uh, a prophet, 
and according to traditions, uh, God made him made him die for a number of years, and then he revived him again. And when he came back home, his two sons uh, were were old, and he was still young. Yes. <laughs> The case is like that of the sons of Hosea, who came into the thoroughfare, asking news of their father. They had grown old, while their father had been made young. Then suddenly their father met them. So they inquired of him, saying, Oh, wayfarer, we wonder if thou hast news of our Hosea. Yes, they didn't know that he is Hosea himself. For someone told us that today that man of great authority would arrive from abroad after we had given up hope of seeing him. Yes, he replied, he will arrive after me. That one, the son of Hosea, rejoiced when he heard the good tidings, crying, Joy to thee, O bringer of the good news. But the other son recognized him and fell to the yes, ground. the other son is the more intelligent one, <laughs> who knows that, well, this is the Hosea himself, it's not a promise of Hosea. The real thing. Yes. Saying, what occasion is there for good tidings of scatterbrain when we have fallen into the mine in the very midst of sugar? Yes, sugar and happiness is the same for Rumi. Sometimes uh, refers to it as sugar, sometimes as honey, sometimes as happiness. We have to fall into the um, midst of sugar, not to have a little bit of sugar on our in our mouth and tomorrow there is bitterness inside instead. Yes. He says that you have to go to the uh, con or the mine of sugar. To opinion, it is merely good tidings, whereas in the sight of reason, it is ready cash. Yes. You see, this word opinion, I, don't, I wonder if it is the exact equivalent for the word khial or vahm. It's vahm. It is vahm. It's the power of estimation. Yes. Vahm is, uh, is the power in man which can understand uh, uh, partial meanings, not universal meanings. You see, partial meanings. While the intellect can understand universal meanings, universal concepts. So this is called Vahm. According to Ibn Sina, is there no more uh, chalk here? I ran out of it. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah so, uh, says that uh, we have, uh, starting from his, which is sense, we have the sense. Yeah. And then above it, we have fjord. And above it, we have van, which is almost the same. And then above it, we have intellect. And again, like Avicenna, Rumi says that uh, intellectual pleasure, intellectual joy, is constant joy, lasting joy, and real joy. And intellect uh, is, uh, has its joy when it comes to truth. But Van and Khyar, they are just happy by fantasy, by just... Uh, what we say, fancy and fantasy, mm. shadows. See, mm. they can satisfy themselves with shadows, Van yeah. and Kiyar. Mm -hmm. For example, a person is happy that he is the king mm -hmm. and he is the best and everybody is, is clapping for him. Mm -hmm. This 
says this is pleasure of the man, not the pleasure of the intellect. So the pleasure of the intellect, for example, fame. We have fame of man and fame of intellect. Fame of intellect is the real life of God, which is in you. And you are famous because you are resplendent, you are radiant. And everywhere you go in the world, you are famous, you are well known as a great thing. But uh, the, the fame of Van is that so many people, how many people know me? It's better to write my name in other newspapers as well. It's better to get it advertised, so and so. See, these are people of Van, people of, uh, of shadows and uh, fantasies. So he divides uh, the pleasures in three, three realms. This is the realm of animals. This is mostly human, but some animals share and have a little bit of that van. Mm -hmm. And then, but uh, real human being, I mean, when we come to the status of a human being, that is the pleasure of intellect, which is essential intellect, essential joy. Right. To opinion, it is merely good tidings, whereas within the sight of reason, it is ready cash, actuality, because the eye of opinion is veiled by missing the object sought. It is pain to the infidels and glad news to the faithful, but in the eye of the seer, it is immediate experience. Yes. You see, when the news comes, the news of that promise, those who deny it is a pain for them. They say, well, he has come to disturb us these prophets who are these people who, who come to this world and disturb us we are living and we are robbing everybody <laughs> and uh, we are they want to stop us of our pleasure they say this is lawful and that's unlawful so it is a pain for them so they are against the prophets <laughs> so this is pain for them the same news is pain for one group is a promise for one group and cash for the third group uh. <laughs> Inasmuch as the lover is intoxicated at the moment of immediacy, he is necessarily superior to infidelity and faith. Indeed, both infidelity and faith are his doorkeeper who secures him from intrusion, for he is the colonel, while infidelity and religion are his two rhymes. Infidelity is the dry peel that has averted its face from the colonel. Faith, again, is the peel, the inner integument, that has gained a delicious flavor. And Rumi often refers to this fact that it is only the peel, the dry peel, that is burnt in hell. Don't be afraid of hell. Just peel yourself off <laughs> and throw it away. Because they only... There is several references in the Quran that what, what is burning in the hell is gesh, is the, the dry peel, the rind, yes. So Rumi says, don't be afraid of hell, because they are burning only rind and, and dry peels. So don't be dry peels. Be the core and put the dry away. Let them bear. <laughs> be the juicy word. Yes. Uh, infidelity is the dry peel and has averted its face, and it is the inward that has gained in a delicious flavor. The place for the dry peels is in the fire. But the peel attached to the spiritual kernel is sweet. The kernel itself is above the grade of sweet. It is above sweet because it is the dispenser of deliciousness. This, this discourse hath no end. 
Turn back my Moses, that my Moses may cleave the sea asunder. It's because he is telling the story of Moses, and uh, in the middle of the story he has stopped that. <laughs> now he is excusing for that and say, well, okay, stop it here, and then go back to Moses because he is uh, waiting to uh, split the sea asunder. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. This preceding part of the He's anxious part. about his characters. You know, That's right, he's getting a bit impatient. Yes, impatient, yes. This preceding part of the discourse hath been spoken suitably to the intelligence of the vulgar. The remainder thereof hath been concealed. Yes. Yerumi has several references to the fact that whatever he says is only a little bit, just one um, from a thousand. Yeah. And because he says that it is... It is not to be said. Sometimes he said it can't be said. Sometimes it said it has to be covered somehow. It is to be hidden because people can't uh, um, can't digest it. Yeah. How the high God revealed to Moses, on whom be peace, the words, Wherefore didst thou not visit me in sickness? Yes. To Moses there came from God this reproach. O thou who hast seen the rising of the moon from thy bosom, thou whom I have illumined with the divine light, I am God, I fell sick, thou camest not. Moses said, O thou transcendent in thy glory, thou art clear of loss, of defect. What mystery is this? Explain this, O Lord. God said unto him again, Wherefore in my sickness dost thou not kindly ask after me? He answered, O Lord, thou hast no imperfection. My understanding is lost. Unfold the meaning of these words. God said, Yea, a favorite and chosen slave of mine fell sick. I am he. Consider well his excusability. His infirmity is my excusability. His sickness is my sickness. Whoever yes, wishes. see what, an, what, a, what a beautiful way of calling people to go and see each other and to ask about each other right. because he said, I was sick. I was in sorrow. You didn't come to me. Sometimes uh, God says that, well, lend me some money. Lend me and I'll pay you back <laughs> with, uh, with much interest. Absolutely. And then if you ask, what does it mean? He says, well, these people, uh, they are me. Yes. Yes. Whoever wishes to sit with God, let him sit in the presence of the saints. If you are broken off, divided from the presence of the saints, you are in perdition, because you are a part without the whole. Whomsoever the devil cuts off from the noble, the saints, he finds him without anyone to help him, and he devours his head. To go for one moment a single span apart from the community of saints is a result of the devil's guile. Talk and, and know it well. Well, you see, one of the things Rumi emphasizes again and again, and it has been, he has taken it from Shams, actually, that the best way, there are, there, there are a, a variety of ways to get that happiness and to achieve that great ideal, mm. beloved. But the best way is to be in the company of a great man, mm. to be in the company of a, a saint. If you want to, if you want to be in paradise, he says that be in the company of a real lover of God. 
because he is paradise itself. Actually, he is the creator of paradise. If you see a person in whose company you are happy, again, that's the test of friendship. That is the test of a master, of a great master. If in his presence all the sorrows of the world are taken from your heart and you become greater and greater, you feel at peace with the whole world and you feel yourself like being in paradise, then he is the man. So this is a sure sign that he can, like uh, I remember uh, when the Christian in Pilgrim's Progress, when he sees the cross and then his burden falls off, he is beside himself with joy. So that that feeling is to be given by a great master, whose very presence is your paradise. And he has taken it from the Quran, Fatkhulu fi ibadi, Fatkhulu jannati, means enter the circle of my my friends, of my lovers, and then you are in paradise. Yes. Saying that to the soul. Yeah. This uh, piece of calligraphy, which is no good, of course, <laughs> I don't call it, I shouldn't call it calligraphy because um, it is, I'm not a master, but I just do some practice. You see, it is a poem by Rumi. Yes, it's a poem by Rumi uh, that Jam is surat bachinin ma'ni jarf an nayayat juz sultan shigaf. Combining uh, such great meaning with such beautiful form cannot be done except by the help of that great king who is God. Mm-hmm. So Rumi is actually praising himself <laughs> that if he has been able to combine such great ideas in such beautiful forms, it is just the work of God mm-hmm. because no one but he can do that. We go on to this? Well, I think that... Uh, how much time do we have? Shall we leave some time for questions or we can continue with reading? Continue with reading. Yeah. Okay, so I think uh, uh, if there are any questions. Well, this has been a really wonderful lecture on the lots of things you covered. So, uh, whoever has any questions, please don't be shy, ask them. <laughs> yes, because uh, there are so many things to be discussed about these themes. There, there are a variety of themes. Um, I just uh, tried to sum up the whole philosophy of Rumi. I think it's a wonderful thing that joy is the, is the hallmark, is the test. Yes. It's the same in... in uh, says that we have been created to enjoy our life and to mm, have the best of this world, not necessarily to suffer all the time. If there is any suffering, it should be either uh, a preamble to a great pleasure 
or it means that we are going the wrong way. <laughs> if it is not, if it is not uh, uh, the prelude mm -hmm. to a great symphony, mm. it is then, it means actually that you are going the wrong way. The warning. He says that uh, so far as you are dark, you are sour, you are scowling, you are not in good humor, so be sure that you are the friend of devil. Uh -huh. Somehow So I just would like to resolve Drink poison, spill the water of life. Uh, uh, yes. You see, that is the theme of fire and water. Yeah, it's the same. Yes, it's mm -hmm. the same theme of fire and water, that you should seek poison. The poison means the bitterness in order to get that, to that uh, sugar, to that sweetness. Yes. You should uh, follow the sorrow. Sorrow means you should uh, uh, desire. You should be in sorrow not to be with your, with your uh, beloved. Actually, he says, if you are with your beloved, why aren't you happy? If you, if you are, why aren't you happy? If you are not, why aren't, aren't you in search? So you should have the sorrow of going after him and uh, see, searching everywhere. I got to your nadari, if you don't have a friend, a beloved, Why don't you uh, yes, go for after one? I got the your recipe. If you have, if you are in union with your friend, with your beloved, then why aren't you happy? <laughs> so it's the same. They say that sorrow is very good, and God, as uh, He says that what can I do? And he he complains sometimes in his poetry, that, well, what is this, uh, so much sorrow and separation, and he is complaining. And then he says, well, I'm not complaining. I'm just uh, bemoaning, because God loves this bemoaning. <laughs> But otherwise, I have no complaint at all. <laughs> Since God loves me to speak somehow and say, and complain about separation, he doesn't want us to be uh, heedless and to be uh, neutral. You see, he wants us constantly to say, where are you? Why aren't you hidden in the, in, in behind veils? So you should be moaning all the time. You should be bemoaning and be wailing all the time. And Rumi says, man I'm not claiming. No, I'm not claiming. I'm not complaining. I'm just uh, uh, speaking uh, other people's words. Uh, I am bemoaning just because he loves these bemoanings. 
و از دو عالم ناله و غم بایدش he is expecting everybody to be bemoaning and bewailing which is a sign of love yes. so that sorrow is different this sorrow which you have to uh, drive away is just the sorrow that you are disappointed with the world and you are uh, you hate yourself mm. just uh, yes. when in disgrace with fortune and men's eyes oh. I all alone beweep my outcast estate you, when you have that outcast estate but when the remembrance comes according to Shakespeare that remembrance that bliss, blissful remembrance comes then you won't uh, like to exchange your place with God I mean with kings yeah. so there, is, there are two different sorts of sorrows one sorrow is a sign of love and one sorrow is a sign of uh, uh, being uh, not in love actually mm. not, being, not being in love yes absolutely Absurdity and you are solid. You see, actually, Hararat, uh, which means heat, heat or energy, heat or energy, uh, when it is uh, very low, you call it cold. Coldness and heat. Cold and heat are the same nature. They are motion. At all cases, they are motion. So at the lower, lower levels, it is cold. So in our lower levels, we are sorrowful. Sorrow means a very, very little happiness. See, when your happiness comes to its minimum, then you are sorrowful. So the lower you come, just like when the heat falls down, it is 10... 10 degrees below zero. It's a still heat because uh, the electrons and the, the, I mean the atoms are moving anyway. But the lower levels are cold, uh, cold and icy and uh, freezing and things like that. More sluggish. Yes. So there are not not actually two things in this world. There is only one thing. That's joy. When joy comes up at higher degrees, you call it happiness and joy. But when it comes down, it is called sorrow and disappointment. But at the lowest level, there is a little bit of joy in it still. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, the chosen prophets of God, why did he give them so much of uh, hardship and sorrow and a very hard test? You take the life in the Quran speech of the prophets like Job, Yusuf Nabi, Yaqub, Yes. Why is that? 
Well, you see, the, answer, the, the room is answered this question. Rumi tells the story of Leili and Majnun again. When they were in school, they were lovers. And then, uh, at one time, Leili broke the glass of Majnun in, in anger and went away. And then people started blaming Majnun that, well, what sort of lover you are? Your beloved is uh, breaking. Uh, he doesn't love you. She doesn't love you anymore. She said, if she didn't love me, she wouldn't break my cup. That's right. So the fact that she broke my cup, not your cup, it means that she, although she was angry, <laughs> but she broke my cup, not your cup. So Rumi says that the one whom loved God more, she gives them more of uh, this suffering, while uh, despite all the sufferings, they are never disappointed, they are ever happy. You see, they are never complaining. Even according to the Quran, when Job, who suffered most, yeah. when, he, when he wanted to pray to God, he didn't say that, uh, 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 that you have sent me sufferings. He said, Yes, yes. You see, so uh, Rumi's answer is that uh, love the more you have love, the more you are tested. Yes, that's true. Yes. So, the one who claims uh, that he really loves God, uh, he has to suffer the hardships of relating with people, particularly the prophets, who have to um, actually, uh, next time we will read this story of the gazelle who was uh, thrown into a stable of the cats, I mean, of the cows and uh, donkeys. A gazelle uh, who had been in China, for example, mm. and uh, had been grazing flowers and uh, yeah. fresh uh, grass in mm. fresh meadows, he was thrown into a stable, mm. like Jesus Christ. Yes. Yes. So, I will, we will read next time this story. Uh, this is uh, a good metaphor or parable of the story of prophets and great saints in this world. They, they are kicked by these cows and donkeys and they suffer it. And sometimes even they enjoy it. They want to be among the people. They never run away. Even when... Uh, you, what is Jonas? Jo uh, Jonah. Jonah, yes. Even Jonah, when he tried to to run away, mm. he was thrown into the, uh, the belly of the, belly of the, of the, of the, the fish, fish yeah. yes, and uh, he was caught in sorrow, yeah. and in darkness he prayed to God, oh, I will come back to the people. So, and Shamsuddin says that there was um, an ascetic who had gone to the mountains, because he was of the nature of the mountains, he was no human being. You see, he is criticizing that the man who goes to the mountains for seclusion and uh, to be away from the people so that these people would corrupt me. Mm. Such a person, he says that uh, he, his nature was nearer to, uh, do, to the stones and to clay yes. rather than to human beings. Yes. If he was a real human being, he would come among the people mm. and suffer their uh, problems That's right. and their imp being impolite and their wrath and uh, then it would be polished in this way. Sure.
Because then you want to polish something, you don't do it with something very gentle and very... Uh, it needs something to be harsh. Harsh, yes. Yes. So for that polishment, you need the harshness of people. You should avail yourself of the harshness of people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, yes, you know, uh, Rumi, uh, in several cases, in Masnavi as well as in his uh, lyrics, he refers to his being in the paradise. And then he gives the reason. He says that uh, there is a universal, universal uh, reason and anyone who is reasonable is the son of this universal reason. We are all the children of this universal reason. So if you are angry with your father, this universal reason is the whole world. If you are angry with your father, then you are angry with the whole world. So the whole world would be a hell for you because you are angry with your father, you are not in peace with your father. And then he says, Man ki solham man in pedar, but I am at peace with this father. Mm -hmm. So this whole world is a paradise for me. Yeah. So um, to be at peace with universal reason or God, uh, of course universal reason is not exactly equivalent of God, but it's a manifestation of God according to Avicenna and Rumi as well. But it means actually God. So if you are at peace with him, so you are in paradise. I see, I see what you mean. You see, we have existence and non-existence, right? So there are not two entities, one existence and one non-existence. There is only one entity, that's existence. There are not two entities as sorrow and joy. There's only one entity. So what is the other one? The other one is the absence of the first one. Yes. There are not no two entities, light and darkness. There's only one entity, and that is light. And darkness is just an absence of the other one. So uh, the lower you come, you, of course it is never zero. It's never zero. No darkness is absolute darkness, mm. because there is always existence. Mm. There is a little bit of existence everywhere. Uh, so, these... Uh, I told you last session that uh, whatever is rejected, whatever is not liked, mm -hmm. whatever is hated, it is not because of existence, it was because of non-existence. Mm -hmm. And non-existence is the source of all evil. Evil, according to Plato, and according to Avicenna and Rumi as well. Evil is non-existence. Wherever you find some evil, you go after non-existence. Something is, is less, something is missing here, that this person is lying. If lying is evil, then go and find something miss missing in that person. And uh, I told you that 
example given by my professor of philosophy in Tehran. He was a Sufi, of course, and he said that if you give a coin, a very small coin, to a beggar, he would throw it away. What is this? You are giving me one pence, one cent? Uh, he is not throwing it away for being one cent, but for not being another 99 cent. <laughs> See? So that one cent is the lowest. But since it is very, very low, very, very low, it is considered to be vice. So there is no vice. It's always, always virtue. When virtue falls down, like heat, when heat falls down, you call it cold. But it still it is heat. When people lie, it's good. It's good that we can tell a lie. It is a virtue that we are able, we can think of uh, another situation uh, and we can hide the real situation and express it in it. It's, it's a virtue. There are some good things in it. But what is wrong with it, it is because there are higher things and compared with those higher levels of virtue, this is considered to be a vice. So vice is uh, being in search of little. And Rumi says, don't deceive yourself. Don't be in a loss. Get all. If you ask from God anything except God, so you are losing. Because whatever you ask is lower than this. So ask the whole and don't leave anything unwanted. Equivalent God as existence. Yes, God is equivalent to existence. Yes. Yes. Does it mean that there is only existence or only He, one power? Yes. Does it mean that also? Yes. There is no God but Allah. But it also could mean there is only He, existence. Yes. And there is no other existence but Him. Surely, yes. That when we say, La ilaha illallah, actually, means there is no existence but the existence of Him. There is only one single reality in the world, and that is existence. And whatever else there is, is another form of that. So there can't be two realities. There can't be two things, two contrasts. All contrasts are below Him. So, چونکه بیرنگی اسیر رنگ شد, موسی با موسی در جنگ شد. When colorlessness was caught in the snare of color, then two Moses fighted against each other. So, if they leave their color, then they would be at peace again. Thank you very much.